Hello and welcome to the East Baltimore Graffiti Church's podcast. We are so excited to have you join us today. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at ebgraffitichurch at gmail.com or you can check us out on our website at ebgraffitichurch.org. By all means to drive him out of my thoughts. Then one day, a seriously injured man, a laborer, was brought into the hospital. He had fallen from a ladder. The case was hopeless. All we could do was ease the pains of this unfortunate man. He seemed to realize his condition, for he was fully conscious. Have you any relatives whom we could notify, I asked? The patient shook his head. He was alone in the world. His only wish was to see his landlady because he owed her a small sum and also wished to bid her farewell. He also requested that his landlady send him the book. What book, I questioned. Oh, just ask her for the book. She will know, was his reply. So after a week of suffering, the man died. I went to see him on my visits at least once a day. What struck me the most was the quiet, almost happy expression which was constantly on this man's face. I knew he was a Christian, but I didn't care to talk to him about such matters. After the man died, some things about his affairs were to be attended to in my presence, the doctor said. What shall we do with this, asked the nurse, holding up a book in her hand. What kind of book is it, I asked. The Bible of the poor man. As long as he was able to read it, he did so. I took the Bible, and could I trust my eyes? It was my own Bible. My name was still in it, written in my mother's handwriting. I took the Bible to my room. It had been used frequently. Many pages were loose, torn, and even dirty from being read so much. Many places were underlined. With a deep sense of shame, I looked upon the book, the precious book. It had given much comfort and refreshment to this dying man in his last hours. It guided him into eternal life so that he had been able to die in peace and happiness. And this book, this last gift of my mother, I had actually sold for a ridiculous price. I need not add much more. Several hours later, William McKay got down on his knees and received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He later became a preacher and wrote a hymn that we have sung many times. The title of it is Revive Us Again. Some of you may be familiar with that. I will not sing it for you in order for you to re-familiarize yourself with it. But William McKay, the Scottish medical student who took many years to become a Christian, wrote this hymn, Revive Us Again. But he had heard the gospel many times. He had a faithful mother pray for him. His heart was hard. He rejected the gospel. But one just does not know the time that a person will call on the Lord to be saved. Last week, in verse 13, we finished up. It said, For whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
But Miss Melissa read our scripture for us this morning. We're going to talk. Um, we're going to talk a little bit this morning about believing the gospel. Believing the gospel. Some of what I will say this morning may seem overwhelmingly simple to you, maybe even repetitive. But I think it is very important to continue to hear Paul's heart for his people, to hear Paul's heart for men and women to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, verses 14 and 15, if we examine them carefully, there is a, there is a four-part question that Paul asks. Paul asks these rhetorical questions, and he starts the questions with how each time. So in this instance, Paul really is talking about a process. He's talking about a process in verses 14 and 15. So whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? Again, so how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him of whom they have not heard? How will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? So we have these questions in 14 and 15. The first thing I thought of this morning, and again, may seem overly simplified to you, but our first slide here, one cannot respond to the gospel until they hear the gospel. Say, well, duh, Charlie, that, you know, just, hey, okay. Uh, maybe Charlie had a slow week this week. Listen, my friends, we can no longer in our generation, in our culture, take it for granted that someone is going to understand the gospel that you understand so well. You will, you and I will share the love of Jesus Christ. We will share the gospel with people most often multiple and many times over a period of time before they surrender their lives to Christ, if they surrender their lives to Christ. And so we cannot take this for granted. One cannot respond to the gospel unless they hear the gospel. And literally, I thought about this. What if we went backwards from verse 15, right? Um, so we say, who's going who's gonna to be sent to preach? And how are they going to hear without a preacher? And how are they going to believe unless they hear? How can they call on God unless they hear? So whether you do it forwards or backwards here, the process makes sense. But, but it really is, in the Greek language, a process. And so, um, secondly then here in verse 14, the next slide, the first priority then, the first priority is to preach the gospel. Listen, when we say preach, you think of a preacher in church, and the reality is the word here is to herald or proclaim. Often if you had an important message, if you were a government official or even a religious official, or particularly a military official, and you had to get a message somewhere people did not have iPhones they didn't text one another they didn't hit each other up on TikTok or Skype or Facebook they had a guy who could run really fast say oh we need a message say oh I have a guy for that he's really fast and and so and so the message would be written and a seal would be put on it and it would take sometimes a day or several days for that message to get. But then the herald would proclaim that message. That was his job. And if he failed, he risked his life, <laughs> depending upon the importance of the official whom he served. So this proclaiming, this heralding of the message, I believe first and foremost is for all of us. 
proclaiming the gospel, the good news. And the Bible, the gospel here, evangelion, it's simply the good news. The good news. And Paul will be more specific here in a few minutes, and so will we. But the Bible says here, and so we say the first priority then is to herald, proclaim, or preach the gospel. Now Paul quotes, Paul quotes Isaiah 52, 7 in this verse. He says, and I love this, how beautiful of the feet are the feet of those who bring good news of good things, who bring the gospel of good things. Now, some of you may say, hey, that sounds kind of familiar. Didn't Paul use that verse somewhere else? He did. Paul uses that verse in Ephesians 6.15. It stuck in my head the other day. I said, I know it's got to be here. It's in putting on the whole armor of God. Listen to, uh, let me just read it so I don't butcher it if I try to quote it. Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, right? Put on the whole armor of God. Verse 15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Someone, think about this. You're putting on your shoes. I put on my Asics this morning and they felt good because they're still like a little bit on the new side. How many of y'all, you love a new pair? I love a new pair of tennis shoes. I do. Now, I don't have 58 pairs of them. I don't have 58 pairs of them in my closet or anything, but I love a good feeling pair of Ace. I used to be a runner. You can tell I no longer do that very often, but, but I love the way my Asics feel on my feet. I don't want to wear another shoe. Nope. Occasionally, lately, I wear some flip-flops, y'all, but I have, ugly, I have ugly toes. So anyway, my Asics, right? I put them on this morning. They felt good. Listen, the gospel, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, we are to the we are to carry the gospel is to be on the move in the believer's life when you i'm not going to preach a, uh, ephesians chapter 6 we're not there this morning but you're putting on the whole armor of god and as we do when you put on your shoes of the gospel of peace that's because you are going somewhere and wherever we go we are to be we don't walk that way i guess when you get older, you start walking heel to toe instead of toe. So we are to take the gospel with us wherever we go. I thought two and a half years ago, um, Carlos felt called to take the gospel to the people of Cambodia, three quarters of the way around the world. Bless his heart. I love the brother. He is faithfully sharing the gospel in Cambodia. God didn't call me to proclaim the gospel in Cambodia, but he called Carlos to proclaim the gospel in Cambodia. The Holy Spirit moved on Lindsay and Sydney's heart last year when they were here. And who knows, only the Holy Spirit could, because they were doing some dirty work up on the roof last summer. You'd think they'd have gone home and forgot all about us, uh, but they didn't. Um, but that was God's call on their lives. Sometimes, we have a call on our lives to serve for a summer or a year or two years. Sometimes God says, go to this place and it will take you years to prepare. After Paul got saved in Acts chapter uh, 8 and 9 there, when Paul got saved, he spent years preparing to do what he was going to do. So sometimes God will call you somewhere for a short period of time. Sometimes God will say, 
uh, and he told Paul, "You're going." He told Paul, "You're going to suffer for the gospel." But I don't. I don't want to get carried away here. So the first priority is to preach the gospel. We go to, and I cannot talk about this. And I love. Um, if we went to Isaiah chapter six, and Paul's all in Isaiah, so I'm not going to feel guilty for doing it either. Isaiah chapter six. Isaiah chapter six. Remember, um, remember the angel touches Isaiah's mouth with the hot coal and says, basically, your sins have been forgiven. I've purified you symbolically uh, and literally purified your mouth. And listen to what he says. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, Isaiah is speaking. Then I said, Here am I, send me. Then what does God say? Go and tell this people. So God had a message for the people of Israel, and Isaiah was sent to bring them that message. Isaiah's life was difficult, and often the message that Isaiah had for God's people was a tough message as well. Often the prophets lost their lives because their own people, the Israelites, didn't like the message. Hey, don't like the message? Kill the prophet. And we don't have to hear him anymore. They did these things, right? God's chosen people. So, so the first priority is to preach the gospel. And Isaiah, Isaiah said, Here am I, send me. I heard sermons when I was a kid. Missionaries came to our church. Our pastor preached the gospel very specifically and very intentionally. And I tell you, I went down the front of the church a hundred times. I even had my own little spot down there. Not really, with my name on. But I went down to get saved. I went down to get baptized. I went down and dedicated my life to the Lord. And who knew that all those years later I was really going to become the preacher that God was calling me to be. But, but God was dealing with me. God was speaking to me. And I was trying to figure that out even as a child. But I was mesmerized by the stories of the faithful men and women who were preaching the gospel. Although my thought in my back of my mind, we all have fears, right? In the back of my mind, even as a teenager, I remember thinking, oh dear Lord, please, please, I'll, I'll serve you, I'll be whatever, whatever, but don't send me to one of those God-forsaken countries with big snakes and animals hanging in the trees, Lord, I don't want to go there. And, and so, like, I wanted to serve the Lord, but I had the little list in the back of my head, right? Even as a teenager, that I was like, yeah, I want to, I want to be bold and courageous and faithful like these people. Um, I admired them. So the first priority is to preach the gospel. And then sending, next, sending out proclaimers. And we're talking about that already, right? And, and I would like to say, uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Oh, no, I didn't. So sending out proclaimers. Listen, I said proclaimers instead of preachers because your Bible will say your Bible will say preachers here, and often you just think of of men who become pastors or preachers when we say that word. And God is calling men and women to go out and be proclaimers of the gospel where God calls you to. And I don't think I'm out of line saying it that way. Now look, I'll be true to the text in 2 Timothy, right? Uh, Paul is bringing along the young preacher. By the way, in the New Testament, if you were under 40, you were considered a young man. So Paul is, is mentoring Timothy. Um, 
and in 2 Timothy 1.9, he says this. He says, God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. So we have that calling. Paul says, Timothy, you have a holy calling from God to preach the gospel. Chapter 2, verse 2. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, and trust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Faithful men and women must teach other faithful men and women who will then teach other... Do I need, yeah, you don't want me to continue. But this is us proclaiming the gospel. As a matter of fact, in verse 14 of the same chapter, Paul says this, Remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers, but, here's the important part, but diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. So, we have to send out, we have to be sending out proclaimers of the gospel. In Matthew 28, 19, and 20, I believe that every follower of Jesus Christ who knows Christ as your Savior is a disciple, and I believe that every disciple is called to share the gospel wherever God plants us in our lives. So as a follower of Jesus Christ, I believe it's a command for us to share the gospel, and wouldn't we want to, loved ones, friends, and neighbors, and maybe even some folks you don't like so too much, uh, need to hear the gospel. Amen? So, next, verse 16, and Paul warns, uh, Paul warns us as well as, uh, as well as his readers, many, many will not believe the gospel. You see that in verse 16. However, they did not all heed the good news, the angelion, the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Excuse me. Isaiah 53, you guys know we preach that around Christmas time, and you know it's one of my favorite passages of Scripture, but Isaiah 53, 1, uh, Paul quotes it. He says, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Isaiah says, God, who is and is talking about, is a prophecy about Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 53, the whole chapter. We won't stay there this morning, but Paul quotes that verse. Who has believed our report about the Messiah? That's why he quotes it here. And he says that not everyone with whom you share the gospel is going to become a follower of Jesus. But on the flip side of that, like the man in our testimony today, his mother shared the gospel with him he heard it ad nauseum he his heart got hard but later in his life he surrendered his life to jesus christ so the word of god will not return void but sometimes you don't know you don't know the results of people with whom you share the gospel and that's okay right we want everyone right to pray and to come to know jesus to have their sins forgiven and we like to know that that is a good thing not everyone will come to know Christ, but also not everyone that rejects you or says, yeah, that's nice for you, or yeah, can we talk about something else? You know, God 
once that seed is planted, God can use that. The Holy Spirit in his power will use his word to save someone later on. Amen. So you are still being faithful. So, so many will not always believe the gospel. But it's interesting in Isaiah chapter 53 that prophecy is um, decidedly and, and certainly about Jesus seven, about 700 years before he was born. And, and so specifically, many will not believe in the Messiah. You see, that's remember, that's what happened to the Jews, right? God's chosen people, Ten Commandments. They, they would say in church, Abraham's our father. They said it to Jesus, right? And Jesus said, no, he ain't. Jesus said, you're the devil. No, Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. He told the religious people, the Jews. That's why they wanted to throw big rocks at him. So many, many will, now some people will be hostile. Many will not believe the gospel. But next in verse 17, it is important. This is important. Faith, faith is the result of hearing and believing the gospel. Paul says this very specifically. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Not hearing by the word of the Ten Commandments. Not hearing by the word of be a good person. The Bible says all those things, right? Not, not hearing by the word of fill in the blank, but hearing by the word of Christ. Jesus Christ right he eternally god and now eternally man if that troubles you we'll talk about it later eternally god eternally man came to earth as our savior was crucified suffered on our behalf and died was risen from the dead thereby conquering both sin and death so that you and i could be reunited with the god who loves us that's the word of christ in a couple sentences I'll be careful. So, verse 17 here we see, faith, this word, and a lot of times, so it's used several different ways, but in, in the Gospel of John and here, the word is coming from the root word, pistuo, wherever you see the word believe. So we have this idea about believing things. We believe certain things, right? And then some things we really do, we believe them and put our faith in them, right? They talk about when you go out to your car in the morning most of the time, you believe, you have faith, you have a key, you put it in, you turn ignition, you believe your car is going to start. I guess some of us, we hope our car is going to start. But, but you do. When we, you know, when we sat in the chair this morning, we say, you know, I'm pretty sure this chair is going to take care of me today when I sit in it. So, so we believe those things, but, but stepping out on faith, this, um, I am risking it all. I am saying I'm putting all my eggs in this basket. I believe that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. I believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he is Messiah, that he is Savior, that he is the only one who conquered sin and death. That is faith. Faith says, God, I trust you more with my life than me, so I'm going to do what you say, Lord. Jesus, I'm going to do what you say. I'm going to do what your word says, because I trust you more than I trust me being in charge. That is my faith. My faith is faith is a verb okay so so I want to be careful with this word believe but faith is the result of hearing and believing the gospel verse 17 also tells us another thing there is only one gospel 
although I think we already demonstrated that, right? There is only one gospel, and that is the word of Christ. That is Jesus Christ. The gospel, the good news, the Evangelion is Jesus Christ. Our salvation is in Jesus Christ. So there is only one gospel. Remember, we talked about false prophets and, and we talked about a false gospel and churches that were no longer preaching the gospel. We were very careful not to talk about, not to judge people. That's not who God's called us to be. But that somewhere along the line, someone messes with the deity of Jesus Christ, they mess with the gospel, and that's kind of how you... That's kind of how you'll see that if you're in a church or a location where the Holy Spirit kind of where you go where a little light bulb goes on and you're like, I need to be careful about. Yeah, they're usually messing with the gospel or messing with Jesus, right? So there's only one gospel. Now verses 16 through 20 or 18 through 21, Paul is talking specifically about the Jews. And he says, the next thought is here that there will be no excuse there will be no excuse for rejecting the gospel for Jews and Gentiles alike. He quotes Psalm 19:4, And remember, we talked about this in Romans chapter 1, right? We talked about natural, uh, natural revelation, that the creation itself speaks to the fact that there is a God who created the earth when the sun comes up, when the moon comes out, and the beauty of the earth around us, even even the wonder and beauty of other human beings speaks to the fact that there is a God. But Paul quotes Psalm 19:4. He says, "The line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of His hands." Verses one and two say. So this is so Paul is stating here that for the Jews with whom he wishes he could change places if they would come to know Christ because he has a sense of urgency for them to know Jesus. He says there's no excuse for rejecting the gospel, both for Jew and Gentile, amen? But there's no excuse. Even just nature itself cries out that there is a God and we will all be held responsible for our response to the God who created us and to the gospel that saves us. But he also says one more thing in verses 19 through 21. And you'll be thrilled today, you're getting the short version of it. The last thing is that God has been patient. God has been patient with all humanity, particularly Israel. God has, for as for Israel, he says, all the day long, I have stretched out my hand to a disobedient and obstinate people. Now, I don't know if you surrendered your life to Jesus the first time you heard the gospel, the second time you heard the gospel, the 48th time you heard the gospel, but God's saying even about his own children, Israel, with whom he had a covenant relationship, he says, I continue to stretch out. I continue to offer mercy and grace to a stubborn and obstinate people. Listen, I've spent periods of life, but prior to knowing Christ, and since knowing Christ, being obstinate and being stubborn. <laughs> well now, there's a good place to get an amen. But Paul quotes Isaiah 65, 1 and 2, talking about Israel. But listen, God is being patient now. Just the fact 
that we continue to exist here and Christ has not come back says that God is being patient. So, so what is the takeaway? Paul is still lamenting. He still has a sense of urgency for his people to know Jesus. We still want to have a sense of urgency to know Jesus. Secondly, you know, if God is calling you to serve him and you're exploring in a specific manner or to pursue a specific ministry or, or to just surrender your life to serving God in the local church, uh, whatever your, your, your fears are, whatever your past disappointments, whatever insecurities or, or excuses we may have, and, and I, I mean genuine from the heart, not like, you know, not like it's bad to have an excuse. At this point I'm saying an excuse like a fear or an insecurity or I don't have the training or listen listen if God is calling you to serve him he will provide for you he will provide for you the means of experience to serve him he will provide for you the physical resources to be where you need to be serving him he will provide for you the local church I hope some of you stay here the local church where you can serve God faithfully by the way, the local church should also be the place that helps prepare you and propel you forward in your walk with Christ also. So if God calls you to go somewhere, if I am your pastor, we'll explore that call together and I will cheer you on and help you get everything you need to go. Um, but, but this idea today that people need to hear the gospel, you and I, we must overcome our own fears of sharing the gospel with others we must be ready to go. If God calls you, God gives you a new pair of ASICs and says it's time to hit the trail. It's time to hit the trail. Many of you have already been faithful and you've had that adventure, that sense of adventure and excitement in life to serving God faithfully. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. So Paul says here also that God is still being patient. God is still being patient. So we must still go and share the gospel with others. Amen.